Hello, welcome to episode 16 of the Double Double. My name is Kelly Hogan and joining me as always, David Dixon. David, what's up? Nothing much, Kelly. Doing great. We are also joined today by a man entering his seventh season as the head coach at Raritan Valley Community College. He's had some success in the Garden State Athletic Conference, turning the Lions into one of the better junior college programs in the state of New Jersey, and recently amassed 100 career wins. Kevin Ryan, thanks for joining us, Kev. How are you? Thanks, guys, for having me on. I was really looking forward to it. I appreciate it for having him. No problem, man. We're psyched to have you. So just to get started, how did you kind of get into coaching? Because I know you played at Hartwick College for a little while, but was coaching always on your radar or did you kind of just stumble into it and now you found great success and you want to ride that wave? Um, To be honest with you, I feel like a lot of people have, you know, their own unique path. For me, initially getting out, like you had mentioned, I played a year in Division Three at Hartwick College. Um, After my time up there, I ended up transferring to the Catholic University of America down in D.C. where I graduated from. Um, upon graduation, I got into financial services and, you know, it was, it was great money. Don't get me wrong, but just my heart was always in basketball. Initially got involved coaching my sister's AAU. Um, they both ended up becoming division one players and then just kind of love the game took over. I saw the position open at Raritan Valley, kind of went out in the leap being probably underqualified and, uh, applied to it, showed up at the college and presented, uh, my resume kind of went from there. So, so was your coaching journey just just started at Raritan Valley besides so 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 you mentioned coaching AAU how how do you feel like coaching AAU helped prepare you uh for the the college level for me I was shocked I got the job I'll be completely honest with you I got the call I was at work working financial services having a crummy day I get the call from the athletic director at the time Amanda DiMartino offering me the job which I was totally psyched about um the AAU helped me in terms of practice plannings things of that nature um, but not being at the college level or even the high school level, I was kind of a couple days before we started up like, oh, man, what did I get myself into? Um, but, you know, like any coach, you know, I'm constantly learning, watched a couple DVDs, but obviously being a former player and always being involved in the game definitely helped me a lot. And, you know, just being able to be in in-game situations on the AAU side, albeit the girls' side, but that definitely helped prepare me. But in terms of um, high school and college, yeah, this was this was all new to me. So kind of took it and took it with stride. Kevin, if you can, just explain the junior college landscape. Because to be honest, I wasn't too familiar with it until we knew you were coming on. And then I did a little bit of research. But it's pretty complex. Just give the audience an idea of the landscape. And is it comparable to Division One, Two, and Three basketball in any way? For me, I was actually in the same situation when I got the job, as, as crazy as it sounds. Um, unbeknownst to me, Raritan Valley, we're actually Division Two community college. So at our level, we're actually able to give scholarship money. Um, there's three different divisions similar to NCAA of Division One, where you can get full rides and cover housing. Division Two, where you just could cover tuition and fees. And then Division Three, similar to NCAA, where there's no money exchanged. Um, for us at Raritan, we compete in, as you mentioned before, the Garden State Athletic Conference which is uh, a part of the bigger Region 19, which is comprised of New Jersey schools, Eastern Pennsylvania schools, and Delaware schools. And I believe there's something like 28 regions throughout the country. Um, at the Division II level here, it's, it's definitely high-level basketball, but once you get into, like, the Florida, the Texas, that's where you really see the high, high-level D1 transfers, you know, guys in the Final Four and such. So um, definitely a lot of good basketball in JUCO, which, you know, was unbeknownst to me, too, before arriving here. So Yeah, so kind of talking about all the different levels, is it when you're going out and you're recruiting, 
these guys kind of obviously you're, you're looking for talented players but what is the process like for a lot of kids who may not even know what Raritan Valley is it's, it's a lot easier to recruit someone to Iona per se just just being in in the area but Raritan Valley just doesn't come to mind so so when you're trying to recruit that talented high school player or other transfers how how do you sell them on Raritan Valley and kind of what's your recruiting process like finding players for your, for the junior college level? To me, I think that's what kind of separates JUCO and makes it a tougher job because you're constantly recruiting transfers and high school seniors and stuff, but then you have to do it on the back end and you have to place your, your players, you know? So for me, that's kind of something that I've really, you know, held my hat on. We have, I think, over 30 alumni at this point playing at the Division Two and Division Three level. So for me, that's... Now in year seven, that's kind of what I use for my selling point. Hey, you know, I might be recruiting the, the under-recruited guy or something like that. He might not have the looks he wants or something. So, hey, come to Raritan Valley for a year or two, develop your game, you know, add some additional strength and get some additional exposure now. You know, but, but circling back to your question, I mean, the first year or two, I mean, people are looking at me like, who is this guy? Where are you from? You know, so it was definitely a transitional period. So once we built it up, though, and the product is kind of shown, that hey if you come to RV you buy into the system you know you do what you got to do academically then more than likely you'll at least be able to go to the D2 or the D3 level you know and if nothing at all at least be seen by the right coaches at this point as to where the program is so that's kind of what what I use as my biggest selling point and obviously the ability, the ability to to cover the tuition and stuff like that as well um, is another thing that you know it's nice to have in your back, uh, back pocket. So Kevin I'm kind of curious because a junior college it's not not so much a destination it's more like a a pit stop how do you how are you able to get these guys to buy in and kind of you know put their egos to the side and I mean because in the grand scheme of things if if things go according to plan they're only going to be in the your program for for a year or two so how are you how are you able to kind of get the pieces to mesh together and keep everyone on the same page I think it it depends on each coach's approach for me, I actually talk about it in the initial meeting if I have, you know, a potential student athlete on campus with their family and stuff like that. I kind of mentioned that to them. You know, I said, hey, I understand Raritan Valley is a small pond considering as to the bigger ocean that you want to get to. So I'd be naive to think that, you know, I'm going to get a recruit solely to come to Raritan Valley to play for two years and not move on his career. So for me, I let him know, hey, whatever the reason might be, you know, GPA might be a little bit low, uh, financial situation might be a little tight, as I mentioned before, under recruitment. So whatever I kind of see as the selling point there, that's a point that I'd like to hit home with, um, if that makes sense to you guys. Yeah, just we're, we're, we're both big fans of Last Chance. You kind of my favorite parts of the show is is as you mentioned the last episodes of the season as all the athletes are going through all their letters and they're deciding on where they're going to go next and because that's kind of you're you're watching these athletes who come in and they and they mature over the course of the whole year and then you guys see the end product so kind of when you are talking to coaches at the next level or for the next stop for these guys what are what are things that that kind of really make these guys on your experience excel or really become desirable besides just just talent is is kids who grow a lot during that time or are those like easier to sell players or is it just kind of guys come in and pick you know this guy's super talented this guy can shoot kind of like kind of how does the recruiting process work after juco Totally. No, that makes sense. And for me, I think kind of similar, like I mentioned, my coaching journey. I think each player kind of has their own journey as well. 
Um, the goal for me when I'm recruiting players, I like to recruit guys who come from winning programs. You know, if you're the best player on the worst team there and you're averaging 30 points per game, I'd rather get the fifth guy in a state championship team, you know, because more than likely he knows how to win, he knows how to sacrifice, and he knows how to really excel at his role. So for me, I've kind of tried to model that situation that I look at for the better high schools and have it Raritan Valley. So, hey, if you're looking at a kid from Raritan Valley, you know he's going to know how to play the game the right way. You know he's going to be mentally tough. You know he's going to be able to compete, if nothing else, just coming from our program. So for me, if I could get, you know, looking at each individual guy, like I had mentioned, you know, hey, you need a shooter. We probably have a shooter here. We run a really up-tempo system there, so we have a ton of possessions per game and stuff like that. So I think once you become acclimated with our system here and just knowing, you know, how we run things and it becomes a little bit more of a desirable fit just because you have, you know, that winning background, you know, behind you. So that's one of the things that I've really tried to push to the four-year schools. Hey, you know, this guy knows how to play. This guy knows how to sacrifice. This guy's a great guy for the locker room. You know, all big uh, parts of the recruitment process. So, Kevin, in addition to your role as head men's basketball coach, you also serve as the assistant athletic director, and your focus is in eligibility and compliance. As David mentioned, we're both big fans of Last Chance U, and I think for those listening, that probably will serve as a good reference point, and the name Brittany Wagner might ring a bell. The players were always kind of crowded around her office, and you know she was, she was one of the main characters in the show and was very pivotal in sending these guys off their, their separate ways and ultimately helping determine their future. I'm just kind of curious, what, what are your responsibilities in that role, and how does that compare to, to your role as the, as the men's basketball coach? Great question. I guess I am kind of the Brittany of Raritan Valley there. <laughs> I do work with, with all of our student athletes, which to me is one of the best parts of the job. You know, if I was just with my basketball guys 24-7, you know, I'd be, I'd be losing my mind over here. So it's a nice, if nothing else, it's a nice change of pace. Um, it's nice being able to help impact student athletes in other ways too. Um, obviously I need to know all the rules, especially what becomes difficult at the JUCO level is just making sure that they're in the right core requirements, that their GPA is high because you know they have to uh, do things through the clearinghouse. And uh, you know if you want to transfer division two, you need 48 transferable credits with the two three. You want to go D1, you have to graduate from a junior college. You know I mean specific rules like that have to know. So for me, I really like that part. I like working with the baseball guys, you know, the soccer team, cross country team, you know, a ton of different personalities there. Um, I'm younger, you know, I'm 32. So for me, I just graduated whatever it was 10 years ago. So I, I get the struggle. Um, I know that school, you know, for some of us student athletes isn't, you know, the thing that we, mo- that we love most about college. Um, so for me, I love that role. Um, I think if anyone knew me growing up, like what, Kevin's the compliance guy, they probably chuckled to themselves. So obviously I had uh, the maturation phase and getting myself acclimated with that. But um, if nothing else, I think that if you ask someone from Raritan Valley, hey, you know, has Kevin helped you? Yeah, because at the end of the day, these student athletes here motivate me. Most of our student athletes here are working a job, they're full-time students, they're driving to classes from home. You know, so seeing some of their journeys definitely motivates me and kind of inspires me to be, you know, the best coach, assistant AD, compliance guy, you know, that I can be on a daily basis. Yeah, that, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And just and just listening to kind of what going back to what your initial journey as a coach was, it, it kind of reminds me of a of Kobe Altman in a way, played Division three basketball, went and worked in, you know, the quote-unquote real world, where they got that itch to go back to basketball, and then obviously he went back to, to Amherst and the NESCAC, and then continued through 
up to the Division One ranks. Now, obviously, he's with the Cavs. But speaking of coaching and basketball, you, you mentioned a high-tempo style. Kind of what made you want to play that way? And more or less, when you were breaking into it, who were your role models or, or uh, people who you looked for for guidance and leadership in the coach? Like, who did you want to model yourself after? For me, getting back to how I started, you know, the difficulty of JUCO in terms of bringing kids and getting them out. I didn't really want to make the system about me. So we run a ton of motion, a ton of getting out. I want my players to be able to showcase their abilities and, you know, showcase it to the college coaches and, hey, you know, look what this guy could do. He could more than, he's more than just a shooter than he was at the high school level. So part of my system um, definitely came from just wanting to showcase my players and just making it all about them. Um, some of my role models, I had a great coach when I was at prep school. I played at Lawrence Academy up in Groton, Massachusetts, a guy named uh, Kevin Rich. Shinsky, uh, Shabazz Napier played for him, Antoine Wright on the Nets played for him. Um, just a total players coach, a guy who, who I've always been able to call if I was in a bind. Um, another one is Paul Copo. He was my college coach at Hartwood College. He's currently at uh, Castleton State up in Vermont there. Um, but for me, like, again, I guess being untraditional there, I don't have per se like a mentor. You know, a lot of coaches who go through the ranks, they might be GAs or they might be assistant coaches at Division Three right from the start where they're, hey, you know, this coach is my mentor. You know, and for me, um, it's not like Ryan Valley, they're always going to run the Princeton offense. I'm going to recruit the best available athlete, and then I kind of figure it out. You know, so if I have a ton of athletes there and I can play small ball and get up and down, we're going to do that. You know, if I got two guys inside, then we'll go three out, two in. So I kind of mold our philosophy and our in-game structure to the talent that you know we're able to recruit the prior year. And obviously, having guys for one to two years, constant turnover, so systems constantly changing. So to me, it makes it kind of cool. I'm always able to to test out you know new systems, new philosophies, and see what works and see what doesn't you mentioned your roster always kind of being in flux and you know the turnover that's inherent with coaching at a junior college I'm sure is is frustrating at times but the good that comes along with that is you're you're kind of constantly always recruiting and your eyes are always out there seeing the talent seeing guys in state maybe some guys out of state that have some interest in RVCC and I'm just kind of curious I'm sure you've spent your fair share of time at AAU events. What are your just general impressions and thoughts of, of AAU basketball? I think AAU is always going to be a necessity um, in terms of the exposure. I think when you look at obviously all the scandals and stuff there, I think it, I think it impacts such a small percentage of the student athletes that I think that it's unfair to sanction, you know, the kids at say the hoop group there. You know, if you look at the hoop group elite two, you'll have your top guys there, but you're going to have. 200 other scholarship prospects. So I think for me, I don't want this whole thing to end up blowing up just because of a, a couple small Nike situations there. Um, I think that some of the teams do a great job. You know, in Jersey alone, I, you think of, you know, 10 teams right now who have numerous scholarship players who are running great systems, you know, but then you have, you know, some of the AAU teams that you hear the stories about, you know, it's either a money grab or just kind of doing the local tournaments or whatever the case might be. So for me, I'd like to see a little bit more high school involvement. I think too many times when the high school season ends, you know, you get your couple weeks, if that, over the summer, and that's kind of it. Um, so for me, I guess in a perfect world, um, you know, I think that you need the, the AAU. I wouldn't mind keeping July open there, but I'd like to see a little bit more of the, the high school teams, the high school camps, and maybe a June there. You know, I think that if we can kind of balance everything out a little bit more, it'd be effective for everyone. But I don't 
don't think that any drastic measures should be taken right now because I think that would end up, you know, negatively impacting a ton of low Division One kids, mid-major Division One kids, high-level Division Two kids. You know, so um, I guess overall, I think if we could just get a little bit more of a balance, it could help the game. You know, and that's obviously everyone's goal or should be. Yeah, coaches. You know, AAU is spring and summer, so kind of just when I remember when I was going through it, it was especially my senior year, is almost every week or every other week you were doing one or two events a weekend. You're out some city playing some tournament, then you're going to some school for some camp. So, But as a coach, you go to everything. I remember as a player, you go, oh, that guy was there then, and this guy's here again. And kind of what's your schedule like during the very busy AAU spring and summer season? What are events that you always try to go to? And kind of just explain the, the life of just being on the road recruiting. So for me as a JUCO coach, I kind of have a different approach. Um, I even worked, I used to work, and I'll probably work a couple camps this summer, a couple hoop group camps. For me, I, I know that student athletes probably have a higher level and a higher desire than JUCO. So I never want to kind of engage with a student athlete too early, say the summer before their year. Um, I'm always going to tournaments, say, checking out Rumble in the Bronx, you know, going down to Sportica, going down to, to Hoop Group, going up to Springfield, Mass, going down to Boo Williams in Virginia. But for me, I like to use it as really, I'll check evaluations, I'll check out rising seniors and stuff, make notes to myself, things I like, things I don't like. But for me, I really look at it as an opportunity to network. Hey, you know, coach, you know, I'm Kevin Ryan from Raritan Valley. I got a, a stud uh, rising sophomore at my school. I'd love for you to check them out. So for me, my goal is for the AAU season, the, the crazy summer, spring events, I like to be seeing that as many as I can, but I kind of take the, the networking approach there. Um, this way I can have, you know, as many numbers in the Rolodex to, to really get my guys as many looks as they can. Um, and I love working the camps too. It's a great way to network. It's a great way to, to get on the floor, do some instruction with some high-level guys. Um, so for me, it's a, it's a different approach at the JUCO level, but it makes it easier come you know, January or February when that player might not be getting the looks that they want. Hey, I've already seen them over the summer. Now I can kind of come in, have that that conversation. I might have coached them a couple times over at Hoop Group. Um, but even too, like some of my guys, oh, look, oh, coach, like this guy's been here three or four times, you know. I appreciate the coaches coming there, but I think sometimes it ends up almost negatively impacting the players. Like, oh, why does he keep, you know. I think it's, I think it's become tougher to recruit the student athletes these days than it was in my day. Like, for example, if I got a phone call from any coach in the nation, I was loving it. You know, it was, didn't matter where the school was. It could have been Division Three in Alaska. I'm returning the coach's call right away. You know, the opportunity to play basketball in college, sign me up. You know, whereas you look at some of these guys and it's like, oh, you know, this coach is here. Oh, you know, there's worse things that could be happening than getting recruited to a four-year school. You know, so um, I appreciate the coaches coming to any Raritan Valley game, you know, for me. And um, But, you know, it's busy. It's the life of a coach. You're, you're at practice, you know, especially for me. I'm looking at guys, D2, D3s, they're driving up a couple hours after having to practice. They're on the road, driving back down to Delaware and practicing the next day, you know. So it's a grind. It really is. So you kind of mentioned how you help to better your players and set them up for, for their future. I've always thought with coaching, they're always kind of, for the most part, looking at you know what's next unless you're at a unc or duke or kentucky and there's only so many of those jobs out there it seems that almost everyone in the coaching world is looking to you know pivot and leapfrog and see what other opportunities are out there so i guess my question to you would be how are you able to stay in the moment 
and work to the best of your ability in the position you are in now? And then ultimately, where do you see yourself in, say, 10 or 15 years? I guess for me, what makes it interesting at the JUCO level, there's there's always something different going on that day. You know, it's definitely not a typical nine to five job. Um, having said that, and being able to be both an administrator and a coach here, I'm kind of I'm kind of spoiled. You know, so obviously we all have goals. My players have goals, like you said. Every young coach has goals, but I really like my current situation I'm in right now. Being able to run my own program and being able to be the the Brittany Wagner and you know be the compliance guy on campus and stuff like that. You know, it's there's a lot of great perks. So for me. Um, I would have to be, you know, presented a really good opportunity, you know, an opportunity where I, I think I can win, where they allow me to recruit the players that I want to recruit and things of that nature. Because, you know, you look at these coaches nowadays, if you're not winning two to three years, you're out of a job, you know. So I think that, you know, um, for any coach, you know, your next move has to be your best move. You know, you have to make sure that you have the proper support from your athletic department. You have to make sure you have the proper support from your president. You know, for us, we had a new president come about four years ago when I first got here. We had a rubber floor. We had pretty much a bad hotel weight room and uh, didn't have much going on in terms of resources. You know, he took a couple of looks around. He obviously knew that this was, you know, unacceptable, put a ton of money into it, got a brand new gym, brand new weight room, things like that. So, you know, I have a ton of support here. Um, we've been able to win games. So for me, you know, it'd have to be a, a great situation there. Obviously, all young coaches, I'd love to be a D1 coach too. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'd be lying to you if I said I wouldn't love to be a Division One coach, you know. But for me, moving up to the next level, um, I'm not just, you know, chasing and applying anywhere. I don't think I've applied anywhere in a couple of years. So, you know, if I could win at a higher level, I would definitely entertain it. But but right now, you know, we have a good thing going on here. And, you know, I definitely like where I'm at. Yeah, that that makes a ton of sense. And as you guys have been winning, you know, you know, don't fix something if it's not broken. So as as you guys are winning, do you have a pregame superstition or a pregame routine as a coach? Is it different than what you were as a player? So, so kind of how, how does that change approaching a game from a pregame superstition standpoint? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just as superstitious as a player, all types of uh, interesting things. So I guess for me, um, if you ever came to a Raritan Valley game, which you guys have to come now after the podcast, naturally. Yep. But if you ever came to a game, you'll see me in pretty much what I'm wearing now. I don't know if the podcast viewers, but it's a three-quarter adidas pullover i got like two or three different ones okay for whatever reason you know everyone's got their own twist on you know coaching sweater vests were in at one point i'm not gonna wear a suit not yet you know if i'm a division one coach i'll wear it at that level but for me it's a, the three-quarter adidas rv either the gray the the green or the black one you know with some nice pants so for me i gotta be wearing that on game day all right you know i, I don't think we could win a game without that that attire um aside from that uh, i got my coffee uh, how can I leave this out? I always got a coffee too, iced coffee. Need to have that for the game. I have, as you can tell, probably through this, I have a ton of natural energy. So someone like me on the sidelines doesn't really need an iced coffee during the game. It's definitely probably <laughs> led to one or two additional technicals in my career, but you know, it happens, I guess. <laughs> so Kevin, you've been around basketball for a while. Give us a bizarre story or something that you know was just hard to believe. A couple couple weeks ago, we had on Jay Gomes, and he told us. He was at this one AAU event and a referee walked in the stands and sucker punched a fan. That's, you know, something I've 
definitely never seen before, but I don't even think I've heard something like that. So is there anything, any funny stories or any anecdotes that you could share with us that, uh, you know, might, might, might make the audience chuckle a little bit? Well, I mean, you know, I'm a JUCO coach, so I guess for me, the best story I can give you guys, um, we're playing Union County College a couple of years ago. It's a real heated game at the time. I think it's like the third time we're playing them in the season. Um, the game's on the road. Union County is a tiny, tiny gym there. Um, and that season, our baseball team was huge supporters of us, right? So we end up winning a close game. Um, it looks like a skirmish is about to, uh, to ensue over here between the two baseball teams. So I go over, being the compliance guy, I know all my baseball players and stuff. Yo, hey, you know, calm down. I might get out of here, whatever, right? All of a sudden, I get yanked, and I'm literally thrown probably a quarter of the gym into actually one of my players' grandfather's air, air machine over there. So I'm scrolled <laughs> across the gym. I look up. Uh, the enormous security guard, I guess he mistaken me for a, a, a baseball player. I'm not quite sure what was going on. I'm kind of in shock. I don't know. I know the athletic director at Union. I'm looking for her. She's nowhere to be seen. It's just kind of a, a free-for-all. So uh, I guess that's my the one that comes to mind there, just being uh, tossed like a doll across the gym of a, uh, of a county college there. <laughs> It must have been the uh, the three quarter vest, the the suit. You would have been recognized as as a coach right away. You know what? Touche to that one. <laughs> I think I got to step my game up for next season, if nothing else, not to get thrown across a gym. <laughs> <laughs> Just wrapping up here. Obviously, the Division One tournament ended Monday night. Virginia, big win. Kind of. What were your takeaways of March Madness as a whole? Just kind of the, the teams you really like to watch and the programs and kind of just your takeaways from, from the tournament. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was an awesome tournament. Um, I thought it was the ultimate story of redemption with UVA. Um, I saw a picture of Kyle Guy, you know, carted off the court in tears from a year ago. And then, I'm, you know, he's on top of the world this year. So I think, you know, 30 for 30s, all type of movies, obviously, are going to be written about it. And to me, that's that was just an amazing story. You know, I think that every time I see Coach Tony Bennett speak, he's just such a, a mild-mannered professional. Um, I think that they play the game the way it should be played. But obviously, I love Chris Beard, too, you know, so I was rooting for both teams there. Chris Beard's more like me, you know, he wasn't even in Division One six years ago, you know, working odd jobs. I think I read a, an article saying he was working at Napa Auto Parts, you know, so at least for me, I'm at the JUCO level, not at Napa Auto Parts yet, you know, so there's still hope for guys like us. So um, in terms of that, I think it was really, um, you know, that was a great story. I thought that the Elite Eight was, was really good, too. I'm a Villanova fan. That's where my mom went. We got blasted by Carson Ed Edwards, who was a great story to watch there. Um, I think that there was a ton of great individual stories. I think everyone wanted to see Duke win, but, you know, it goes to show that the one and dones don't necessarily always get it done in March there. So for me, I think it was the, the ultimate, you know, storybook ending for UVA, and I'm really happy they won. Well, Kev, we, we appreciate you taking the time and, and coming on. It was it was great chatting with you. Dave, I don't know if, if you knew this, but Kev and I, we used to ball together at the Y, so that was the, that was the connection. Whoa, big time. Listen, I used to ball with this guy. He's probably like 14, beating up a bunch of former D3, D2, whatever. And I was naive to think like, hey, maybe one day I'll be able to get Kelly to come to RV, <laughs> only finding out he graduates from Wesleyan in three years. So yeah. he could ball then. I'm sure he could ball now. And I appreciate you guys having me on. Of course. Thank you, Coach. No doubt, guys. I'll talk to you guys soon. That'll do it for episode 16 of the Double Double. Thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. 
five stars would be greatly appreciated. We can also be found on Spotify. And if you guys have any feedback, you can reach us on Twitter. Our handle is BBL underscore DBL podcast. And you can also leave us an email if you like, double double 402 at gmail.com. We have a couple fascinating guests in the pipeline, and we're excited to share those conversations with you guys. So take care and make it a great day.